Hello, everybody. Good morning. It's a beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. This has been an awesome week. Humidity's been down. It's just, just, just great. So, all right. Well, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, if you all were here when I shared, um, I talked about outreach. Everybody remember that? Yeah, raise your hand if you remember. Yeah. Those of you who don't, go listen to the message again. <laughs> we're going to do a test next week on that. No. But two weeks ago, I did share about outreach, and I talked about the fragrance of outreach. And, um, you know, I shared about my history as doing evangelism. And so uh, doing, preaching that message kind of stirred me up some more for evangelism. And, and so um, today I want to I talk some more about evangelism. And I really want to talk about it, and maybe I won't get it all today. I promise you I won't. There's several things I want to say, but, um, and how it relates to family the family of God. And, um, and so I was thinking about a passage to share, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just led me to a very familiar passage in the book of Acts. Now, if you don't know what the book of Acts is about, I want you to think about the book of Acts like um, as a movie. It's like a movie, and, and, and it's telling the origin story of a supernatural family um, that God calls his church, right? And in this origin story, uh, we learn about things like how we as Christians get our supernatural power, right? We, we learn about how uh, the first superheroes of the faith um, get persecuted and they're attacked and they're put in detention centers, um, you know, just like the mutants and X-Men, right? Any X-Men people? Come on. Who gets the analogy I'm trying to make right now? Yes. So you got to smile. You got to nod a lot. You got to go, oh, my gosh, he's talking about the movie X-Men. This is so cool. And the Bible at the same time. Yes. So, so um, you know, we, we, we learn about how all these original superheroes of the faith, they travel throughout the nations and they're recruiting new people to join the, the supernatural family of God. And, and we even see glimpses of life for what it was like for this supernatural family of God. We see the influence and the impact of their supernatural powers. We see um, how they helped people, how they helped one another. We see how they lived. We see how they loved we see sorrow, we see victory, we see defeat, but we see the thing we see the most in really every page of this origin movie is the beautiful source of all the power that surged through the very hands of every Christian. We see the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is to us as Christians kind of like the sun is to Superman. 
The Holy Spirit is God in us. This means that, that because we've got God in us as Christians, that means we have God's faith. We have God's power. We have God's understanding. We have God's love, God's wisdom, God's creativity, God's authority. And so the origin story of Acts, it tells of how we become sons and daughters of God. We, we, us, we are the sons of God. We are the daughters of God. We are eternal beings. We're not mutants, but we are a brand new kind of creation. And so the book of Acts, it is this origin story of how we became the supernatural beings that we are. So there's your intro to the book of Acts. Now, for today, I felt like the Holy Spirit really stirred my heart to talk, again, some more about evangelism as a supernatural result of devotion. And so... Today, my message title is Devotion to the Essentials Gives Birth to Revival Families. And when we think about it, evangelism is really how we as Christians produce spiritual babies. John chapter 3 actually says that very thing. It says in verse 1, now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, but no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How? Can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So evangelism is how we give birth to spiritual babies. And one of the goals of healthy families is to make more babies. We've got that down. I multiplied. I've got four, so I did my part. Four boys. I did the math. I multiplied, and I'm done. You know, but every, that's, what, that's a function of healthy families, is, is making more babies. And, and we actually have a command in the Bible. God commands that we build families by making babies. He says in Genesis 1, 27, it says, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, just as a side note, I realize that everyone who wants to reproduce can't. They can't. And so what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that just because you can't physically reproduce that you're somehow unhealthy as a family, okay? I'm not saying there's something wrong or you're a bad couple. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, if you're here today and, and you're married and you want to have children and you can't, we will pray for you at the end of this service. We will pray for you, and the power of the Holy Spirit will flow through us, and God will recreate, he will fix, or he will heal whatever is not working right for you so that you can have the children that you long to have. But back to my point. God said be fruitful, and he said multiply. And again, I believe, I believe that this is in the natural sense, and I believe it is in the spiritual sense. All healthy things, all healthy living things reproduce after their kind. And the same thing applies to our spiritual family. Healthy spiritual families reproduce spiritual babies through this activity called evangelism. Now, for those of you who don't know, and I know most of you probably do, but what is evangelism? I'm going to explain that real briefly. The word evangelism is not in your Bible. The word evangelist is in your Bible. And it's mentioned three different times. Acts 21, verse 8, Ephesians 4, 11, and 2 Timothy 4, uh, verse 5. Now, an evangelist is someone who spreads the message and teachings of Jesus to others. So whenever you or I intentionally share the good news of Jesus with someone else that doesn't know him, we are doing evangelism. Does that make sense? And, and there's all kinds of different ways to share the good news of Jesus with others. I, you know, uh, the evangelism team has, has um, highlighted six different specific ways that we could do evangelism. Because it's not always just going out on the street corner and preaching and shaking our finger. In fact, I hope none of you do that ever. I went to Ball State and, you know, there were guys that were on the corners up there calling the girls whores and the guys drunks. And, and that's how he was winning the lost. Yeah, it doesn't work. It just brought a lot of antagonism. But there are ways to do it with a lot of love, a lot of grace, a lot of God encounter. And so if you're interested in, in learning maybe how you're wired for evangelism, talk to Chris Hansen, talk to Rob Simmons, Heidi Simmons, talk to anyone on the evangelism team. But the fruit of evangelism is supposed to be new spiritual babies. Even if someone's 85 years old when they surrender to Jesus, they are still a spiritual baby in Christ. 
And the Bible, in the Bible, Jesus tells us to spread his good news. Say that. Say, spread his good news. The Bible tells us that we are to spread his good news. We are to do the work of an evangelist. Mark 16, verse 15 is clear. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Matthew 28, verse 18, says it again in a different way. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority, say all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Say go. go. Say it again. Go. Now say it like you mean it. Go. go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. This means, this means that our spiritual family has to make spiritual babies. We have to. And we don't just get to naturally reproduce them and then they get saved. That's a part of it. Very, very much a part of it. But as a family of God, we have got to be making spiritual babies. And so I want to look at this supernatural family of God in, in the book of Acts because there are some things that we can really learn from their story. And the passage that I'm going to look at today, it's a very familiar one for anyone who's been active in a church for any kind of period of time. This is passage is uh, one of Lynn Furrow's favorite messages, um, and it's again, this is a message that's been shared by many times, many leaders in many places, hoping to inspire their people to truly live their full potential. Who wants to live their full potential? Come on, like really if your full potential, like everything God's got for you. Because I'm bored if I'm not. And I, I mean, I, it's just, man, the fullness of God, living, everything, every plan he's got for me, I want it. Amen. So that's my goal when we share this, when I, when I share this message, as I, I hope to inspire us a little. I hope to inspire us today to live supernatural to live as a f supernatural family of God. Not based on anything you're, you're, you, you've watched others do or you think is comfortable. I'm talking about Bible. I'm talking about doing it the way the Bible says to do it. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that bumps up against our American Christianity. A bunch of stuff. And it's not comfortable It's not always convenient. 
But if you who raised your hand and said, I want to live it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now. now. All right, a few Queen fans out there. Nice. But literally, I mean, you're, you're, if you don't, if we don't look at the word and say, I got to do that, then we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. I want it all gone, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> now we're into meatloaf. You know, I'll do anything, <laughs> but I won't do that. <laughs> I mean, which song are you going to sing? We got to pick one. All right. And I'm assuming you're going to want it all and want it now. That means you got to do it now. Okay? Lazy Christianity will not produce anything for you. Convenient Christianity will not produce anything. You'll be bored. You'll be sad. You'll be lonely. You'll have lack of purpose. You'll just keep doing the same thing. You've got to break out of that. Break out. So let's look at this supernatural family. Let's learn from them and be inspired. And this is the familiar passage we've all heard and read and love and quote and use it to do whatever. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending in the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now when I was studying this passage, I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me a different way to look at it. I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to, to take the first part of the first sentence in verse 42 and then take the last sentence of verse 47 and smash them together. And, and so when, when we do that, it, it looks like this. It says, they devoted themselves and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's say that together. And they devoted themselves, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's where I got the title of my message. This thing that devotion to the essentials gives birth to revival families we slam these two scriptures together we get basically a summary of this little passage of, of the Bible Acts 2.42 to 2.47 they devoted themselves and the family grew 
day by day after day after day. And again, this is not just an ordinary family. This is our supernatural family. This is a signs and wonders family. What we, what we have here, this is really the healthiest picture of a church family in recorded history. That's what we're looking at. You know, back in the day before uh, FacePuke and InstaSham and uh, Snapcrap and Twister, I mean Twitter, back before we had that stuff, we had photo albums. Who remembers those? Huh? Yeah? Who's still got some? Anyone still got one laying around? I bet your grandparents do. Parents do. I've got some, you know. Well... You know, photo albums are fun to look through because we get to see what life was like for these people, right? Well, that's what this passage in Acts is like. It's, it's like a photo album of the life of this amazing church family. You know, if we actually had photos, we would see pictures of them listening to teaching. We'd see them enjoying fellowship and eating together. Kind of like at your family reunions, you know, where you used to all get around the table and act cheesy and, you know, someone would snap a Polaroid and then wave it in the air. <laughs> That'll go in the book, you know. Right? You know, we'd see them praying together. This is the photo album of this amazing first century family. This is, this is who we are supposed to be. But, you know, they weren't just listening to teaching or occasionally hanging out and eating together. They didn't just pray when they went to church a couple of times a month. They didn't just pray before a meal. I mean, the Bible says that they were devoted to these things. Say it again. Say devoted. They were devoted to these things. Now, um, there's a famous blogger that I follow, um, and and he wrote a, a real powerful blog on devotion a few months ago. And you know, I really appreciate this guy. He's got a lot of great insights into uh, kingdom realities and. Um, and, and if you want to follow him yourself, I recommend him. Um, his name's Jeff Hughes. <laughs> and uh, I think you can find his blogs on our website. Um, go Just go to the blog section. Um, but um, back in February, Jeff wrote a blog about devotion. And it was a great, just some great stuff. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Um, read some of his blog because I feel like it's so appropriate to um, what we're doing here. And he said in this blog, he says, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. What does it mean to be devoted? As I was thinking about devotion, I considered the word loyalty. It's a good word. 
And it describes some worthy things, a loyal husband or wife, a loyal follower, a loyal friend. I would consider myself all of the above, a loyal husband, follower, and friend. Wouldn't you? Let's define it. Loyalty means faithfulness to commitments or obligations. That seems minimal. I only have to do what I've committed to do or obligated to do. Then I can be considered loyal. And as I think of it, I've been very loyal, only doing what's required. On the other hand, let's look at devotion. It means profound dedication, consecration, vowed, dedicated, and to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to. And going a bit, a, a bit further, consecrate, the word consecrate means to make or declare something sacred, to dedicate formally to, to, uh, to a divine purpose. Now that seems so much more than loyal. It's not just doing what is obligated, but rather being consecrated. Say consecrated. consecrated. Which means setting yourself apart with profound dedication. Let's consider another scenario. Would you say you are loyal to your boss? Do you come in on time? Do your assigned work and fulfill the other obligations of your job? If you do... I think we can agree you are loyal to your boss. Now, would you say you are devoted to your boss? Probably not. You have set yourself, have you set yourself apart and profoundly dedicated yourself to him or her? Probably not. That's usually not the kind of relationship where devotion comes into play. But how about your spouse? Are you devoted to your spouse? Well, I would hope so. Do you see the difference? Loyal and devoted almost seem synonymous. But the more I think about devotion, it seems they are not even close. Devotion is so much more. You know, Jeff is correct. Devotion is so much more than just fulfilling your obligations. In other words, um, you know, there's, there's, and Jeff pulled out some good words that help us understand devotion. You know, some uh, words like um, commitment, zeal. Jeff said consecration. I like what the, the New King James Version says. It in that verse 42, it says, they, they continued steadfastly. That's a mouthful. We're all going to say that. Say, continued steadfastly. See, that's, it's ongoing. It's not I made it. I, I devoted it one point in history, and there it is. I fulfilled it. This, this word, actually, it means it's continually continually you you keep re-upping it's ongoing it's continue that's amazing that is amazing 
Who, who sees this in, 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 in life? I mean, we see it a little. I mean, I hope every one of you married people are saying, I see it in my spouse. My wife's devoted to me. She doesn't just do what's obligated. I try to be devoted to her. I'm very devoted to her. So when I look at this kind of devotion and I go in my own life, ugh, yikes. <laughs> I, I don't live like this all the time. And so is it, is it just my responsibility or my job to just kind of pull up my bootstraps and get her done, be devoted that way? I don't think so. Where does this kind of devotion come from? Well, it comes from the very beginning of Acts chapter 2. In fact, we're going to read that. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what we're looking at right here, this was the glorious day that the church was given birth. At this moment, and it came with this rushing, this sound of a rushing wind. It, with that, it, it, heaven gave birth to the church. With the sound of, of a rushing wind, heaven gave birth to the body of Christ. And these 120 followers, that's how many there were, 120 of these guys and gals, these followers of Jesus, they received something on this day that no person on earth had ever received. They received the infilling presence of the Holy Spirit. When heaven invaded the earth in this upper room experience, flames appeared over the heads of each one of these people, each one of these believers. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that they were even able to speak in other tongues, other languages, foreign languages that they themselves couldn't even understand. It says it in verse 5. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing these guys and girls in the upper room. They, they were hearing them speak each in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthenians and Medes, and, and Elamites, 
and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this even mean? But others were mocking and said, Now they're filled with new wine. Well, they were right, but not the boozy kind. <laughs> you know, this would be like one of us being in a big city somewhere, and, and there were you know, would be, you know, Asian people, Mexican, German, French, Russian, Arabic, African people. And, and it would be like us speaking with words that I couldn't understand. But all these people in other nations could understand everything I'm saying clearly. Here is speaking in their native language. And this is an amazing event. Now, it said in verse 13 that some people thought they were drunk on wine. Well, Peter couldn't let that go. He's like, I am not a drunk. You are not going to call me a drunk because it's like 9 in the morning, all right, when this happens. And he's like, uh, excuse me, I've, you know, I've been to a wedding before, but I've never done this thing that you're released right now, right now. So Peter speaks up and he's giving these people the 411, right? He says in verse 14, he says, uh, Peter standing with the 11 lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose. And since it is only the third hour of the day, that's 9 a.m., but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men are going to see visions. And your old men shall see dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From there, then, Peter goes on. And he tells everyone about Jesus. And he, he gives this, this long talk about Jesus and who Jesus was and what happened and, and all of this stuff. And, and then he, he, after he finishes that little sermon about, the, about Christ, he, he ends this, this thing with an altar call in verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. 
And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Man, do we have a crooked one right now? Save yourself from it. Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That, my friends is how you plan a church. That's how you plan a church. I mean, when God does something, he just does it with a bang. He's like, and here's the Holy Spirit, and here's a mega church. 3,000, there you go. Let me know when you need some more help. You know, and, and, and this is... To me, it's such a simple formula. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, preach a simple message about Jesus, and you call everyone to repent and be baptized, and people get saved. This day, 3,000 people joined the church. They didn't do, they didn't do follow-up calls or send a letter from Pastor Peter. Hey, thanks for listening to us speak in tongues this morning. We hope you weren't freaked out. If you have any questions about what was going on, please let me know. Here's my number. Here's my email. <laughs> nope. Didn't happen. He said, Jesus, Holy Spirit, repent. I'm done. Mic drop. I'll go for that. 3,000 of them said yes. That's how you start a church. And so now, we're right back to verse 42. Again, we're back to verse 42, and it describes how this awesome church lived after this epic moment. Holy Spirit comes, they preach, 3,000 people join the church, and now we're, we're looking at this beautiful picture again of how these people lived and how they continue to add to their numbers daily. And so the secret sauce of this amazing church, who loves secret sauce? McDonald's, secret sauce, Thousand Island dressing. I, is it still a secret or not? They just told us. All right, go and get some better secret sauce at Cafe Royal. It's really good there. It is special, Thousand Island dressing. <laughs> no, it's better. Secret sauce for this sandwich, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You probably need to write that down. Or click it in your head. Or, I don't know, post it on your Facebook. Secret sauce, Holy Spirit. The secret sauce of this amazing church was them being filled daily with the Holy Spirit. And because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that fueled devotion. The kind that's continually, steadfastly happening. Filled with the Holy Spirit, it fueled devotion. And that devotion was to these four essentials that we read about. Four essentials of the church. And when they lived devoted, what happened? Kids. Kids. 
spiritual kids. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Holy Spirit, devoted new kids. Every day. You see, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we get some zeal. You get some zeal. You know what zeal is? It's like, can't wait to do this. Can't wait to be at church. Can't wait to go here. Can't wait to go there. Hey, I mean, they're just fast for Jesus. Zeal. Like, I'm excited. Some of your faces, please show me you're excited. Come on. Come on. You're just killing me right now. Some of you are like, that's so good. That's, that's good. Yes, I remember zeal. I, well, guess what? You ain't filled. We're going to get to that, though. Hang on. When you get filled, you get zeal. You start consecrating your life. You get things in order. The first things that are supposed to be first become first. See, you, you move the distractions out of your way because Jesus becomes your obsession. Not your Facebook profile, not your favorite TV show. Those are the things we're obsessing about right now. But when you get filled and you're really filled, Jesus is your obsession. Your priorities change. Say, my priorities need to change. And you want to know how to tell if you're dried up? And you need another filling of the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you. You get bored with your Bible. Preaching doesn't interest you. Teaching doesn't move you. Communion. Sunday morning worship. Fellowship doesn't, doesn't mean much anymore. Prayer doesn't interest you. Gosh, when you hear us talk about the church prayer meeting, you're like, eh, it's a bother. Doesn't fit my schedule. See, when our spirit man dries up, devotion to the essential commitments of the gospel begin to die. And listen, if guilt is the only motivation for reading your Bible, you're doing it wrong. If guilt is the only reason you're coming to church, if it's the only reason you're, you, you pray, if guilt's the only reason you're in a connect group, then you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Again. Say again. And listen, we all leak. Leak. The daily grind of life causes leakage. Disappointments, defeats, heartbreak, heartache, they all those things that happen to us regularly have a way of sucking the life right out of us. But we have to stay filled. Jesus, Jesus told a parable. He tells this parable about ten virgins. And these ten virgins, they had lamps. 
right? And, and he said that five of the, these virgins were foolish, and he said five of them were wise. And the foolish ones, he says, he says they forgot to get oil for their lamps. While the wise virgins made sure they had plenty of oil for their lamp. Does your lamp have oil? In other words, is your life filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, you know, Jesus, when he was telling that parable, basically he was he's saying, if you don't have oil in your lamp, you're stuck on stupid. He called them foolish. Our devotion to the essentials of the gospel, they are fueled by our daily, <coughs> say daily, they are fueled by our daily filling of the Holy Spirit. And when we live devoted to the Lord, when we live that way, I'm not talking about you had a, a good day. When we live devoted, God adds to our numbers. He adds to us people who are being saved. Spiritual babies start popping out everywhere. Some of you would be like, I didn't even know I was pregnant. And I just had me a spiritual baby. <laughs> That's right. We'll, have a, we'll start a new TV show. <laughs> I forget what it was called. Something pregnant and didn't know it or didn't show it or. Some of you are pregnant. But there's, there's, the birth canal is, is all plugged up with your life. Choices we're making. Attitudes we've got. Our devotion isn't being fueled by being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, to me, the bottom line for, for my heart is, is seeing spiritual babies come. That's the bottom line. Evangelism comes as the fruit of devotion, and devotion is the overflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I am desperate to see life saved. I really want to see some people saved. And I know we've had a smattering of them every year, and I thank God for the faithfulness. But it's not happening every day. And if you haven't heard me say it in so many words, the, uh, I'm going to say it just real clear. The beauty of this thing the beauty of it is I don't have to do this in my own strength.
It comes from the inside out. Jesus gave us everything we need. Everything. He provided us the grace. He's given us the hope. He's, uh, and, and most importantly, he's given us the Holy Spirit. Your devotion, think of it this way. Your devotion is like a fuel gauge for your life. It's like the little dash, you know, you got E and you got F. Instead of it saying fuel, it says devotion. Your devotion is telling you how full you are or if it's time for a fill-up. If your devotion is low right now and that flashing light (laughs) is telling you to fill the tank, well, it's time to get some more. It's time to get some oil for our lamps. Because what we're in, what we're doing, this thing, it's a grace race, not a death march. Sometimes we live like it's a death march, like, all right, I'll I'll make it to that, and I'll be there, and I'll do that, and you're killing me. Warning, flash, empty, empty, empty. You start coming because you feel guilty. I obligated myself, so I will be there. You know how that makes me feel? How does that make you feel when someone loves you by obligation? When that's all they got, they're just doing what they said they'd do. Nothing more. No emotion involved. No zeal. No joy. How's that feel? I love you. Really? Yeah. I I am obligated by the word of God to inform you each and every day that I love you. I am commanded by Christ and his word to care about you. Wow, that feels so good. (laughs) You're overwhelming me here. (sighs) Baby. I mean, how's that work on your wives, dudes? You don't. (laughs) No one's laughing. You were the only one that laughed, Connie. (laughs) Because we're all going, yeah. It don't work. I'm obligated to hug you and kiss you and... Now, can we go make a baby? That's what married people do. I mean, just think about all the cool stuff that you love done and then have it being just obligated. Everything. Every, everything that someone does for you, with you, they, feel they do it out of guilt. do it because I'm empty and I don't I'm not filled up with the joy and the love of God that stinks everything we need Jesus has already given us 
You just have to ask, and you will receive. That's it. So today, I want to ask you, and if you're here and you feel empty, feel dry, everything you're doing is obligated, it's, it's out of guilt or mostly out of obligation, mostly out of guilt. I mean, if you're here today and, and you just, you said, I want it, I want it all, and I want it now. Well, well guess what? The Holy Spirit's the first step to I want it all. You have to want Him. So if you're here today and you are ready to be refilled with the Holy Spirit or for the first time, I want you to just stand up. Position your heart. Because this is not a message to guilt you to be more devoted. This is a message to get you filled up. To do something and receive something that is already a gift that's been promised to you. And maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit and you're saying, I want that today. I want it today. Then you're going to join us. Just stand up. I don't know who you are. If you, this is the first time for you or this is the thousandth time. It doesn't matter. We've got to keep doing this. Every day we've got to be filled and filled and get read the rest of the book of Acts and you will see it says and when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was filled it was telling them over and over and over they kept taking a drink. They kept getting in the river. They kept washing over themselves with the, the, the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you think your Christianity is not that great, this is why. It's not because you don't want it bad enough. You do want it. You said yes to Jesus. It's filling with the Holy Spirit to lift your hands. If you're ready for, for more, for, for Holy Spirit to come and fill you again, then I just say, just, just call out and say, I want the Holy Spirit. I want you, Holy Spirit, to fill me up. Just use your real voice. You don't have to yell, but you can if you want. Just say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me once again. Fill me for the first time. Fill me up, God. I am so sorry that I've lived obligated. So fill me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let the wind of heaven come into this place and rush over us today, God. Rush up, rush us, God. Rush over us, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill us right now. Now, if you're getting filled, then I want you to just, because the word promises that they will speak in new tongues, I'm saying just speak out in your prayer language. Just release it. Let it come out. I don't care if it's one little simple word, blah, blah, blah. Let it come out in the name of Jesus. Receive this 
impartation of the Holy Spirit. Fill us, fill us, fill us, God. Fill us, fill us, fill us, Lord. Let it come out. Don't be afraid. Don't be weird. Just let it come. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it come like a river. Let it come like wind. Let it come like fire. Some of you are even feeling fire right now. That's because you got the Holy Spirit filling you up. Burn out the stuff, God. In the name of Jesus, come fill us. God, repent for dryness. I repent for, for obligation, God. I repent in the name of Jesus. Fill us today, God, in the name of Jesus.